Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast, a podcast with one simple vision, build up, become strong. Welcome back to another Strong Towers Podcast. This is John Ackerman alongside Tom Edwards and Mike Lara. And we wanted to take this next uh, this next segment and just sort of reflect back on the last two conversations, the last two episodes that we had, one long conversation with our friend Kyle, reflecting back on this topic of fear and, and all the different ways that those conversations played out. And, and one of the things that we've really enjoyed you know, so far over the course of season one and now even into season two, just the conversations that we get to have with people and we're never entirely sure where it's going to go. And I think without exception, it's always gone better than we could have expected. And things have come out that we just could not have planned for. Yeah. So I kind of want to just, you know, throw it around the horn real quick. What were, what were some of the impressions or takeaways sort of just in the moment? Um, and Mike, in particular, we, we kind of sprung Kyle on you. Um, you know, I've known Kyle for a few years. Tom's interacted with him a few times over the years. Uh, but he was kind of an unknown for you. And by kind of, I mean completely. Yeah, for sure. You know, walking into the house, that was the first time you guys had ever met. And so just wanted to take some time and just let us process, you know, those two episodes worth of a conversation that we had with Kyle. What were some of the takeaways and impressions? So I was, I was really impressed just of his story. I mean, just being able to sit down and talk to Kyle for the first time. You know, I have the luxury of being able to go go back and, and edit and listen, re-listen to our conversation. And I can only go back and think about, or I think about it myself as I, as the second episode rolled, I was almost speechless. Like I was, I was fighting back tears the entire conversation. And it was one of those ones where, you know, the first part of his story, I was already, it was almost like the wind had already been knocked out of me. And I was like, like I was, I was, I was fighting for that breath, and then when he hit me with the second part of his story, I, I, I'll be upfront and honest here. I totally just cried. Like I was in there, like trying to make sure I kept that cool so that I can keep talking. But it, it was, it was definitely a situation where I think, as I look at things now with the perspective of a father, and just seeing not only the story but his reaction to the story and how he came through that we watched uh, a tony evans movie uh, a couple months back and there was a scene in there where they talked about uh, a dad had lost his wife in that in that movie and he goes back to tell his daughters that his wife had had passed away and when they come the the scene changes and as they're talking about it he starts talking about how the only reaction to that him and his daughters had was to praise and worship. And I was just thinking to myself like, wow, that is such a powerful move. And Kyle hit me with that same kind of feeling like throughout all this process, I'm still going to praise and worship God. And it was just, again, it was just a beautiful, I don't say ending, but a beautiful reaction mm-hmm. to that story. Yeah. And by the way, we should pause and say, if you have not listened to those episodes <laughs> yet, you need to go back and listen yeah, for to sure. the two episodes that Kyle was on because we could not do his story justice in recapping it at all. And you need to experience all all that happened. When I was trying to think through my reaction, 
the one word that that I came up with, and, and you said this also, Mike, and hopefully Kyle is okay with me saying this about him, but just what a beautiful man. Yeah, for sure, is. for sure. In the, the way that he came through that story, like you were saying, Mike, and uh, kind of how he grew from that, but also the willingness to be so open with that story and with the struggles that he had experienced and, and all of the the lasting effects of some of the stuff. It wasn't just like, you know, something really bad happened and we moved forth from there, but, you know, the amount of time that he has spent really digging into how those things have affected him mm-hmm. and then being willing to turn that around and use that as a gift to others is just really, really beautiful. And it also fills me with hope because gosh, his story is just like this super cliche, but it's a country song. It's like the, the worst country song possible. And I just feel like I, I just come away with it, with this feeling of, if he can end up in the place that he is right now with the perspective on all of that crap that he has right now, there, I mean, there's basically hope for everyone that we can turn those things around and that they can be used for good. And to add on that, he was absolutely genuine. Like even after we hit the, uh, the stop button on the, on the recorder here and, you know, we shook his hand and thanked him for coming and, he stopped and, and, you know, gave me a hug and, and, and said, you know, we should go grab coffee sometime. Yeah. Like, there was no faking the, the, the interview at that at that point. It was genuine, hey, if you need someone to talk to, like he said in the episode, like finding that mentor and finding people to to surround yourself with. And just to offer that up right after he had just shared that story, I thought yeah. was, again, just a, another example of how awesome of a man he is. Yeah. Yeah, he offered to take you and your boys fishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, one of the, you know, I've heard Kyle tell his story a couple of different times in a couple of different settings, and it's impossible to not be affected by it. Right, right. And Tom, kind of like what you said, you know, about it, it gives you hope. You know, I, I hate, I hate comparing pain. Mm. Yeah. Right. I, I hate when, and I, and I've, I've been incredibly guilty with this over my life, but, you know, minimizing my pain, you know, and elevating somebody else's like the whole, like, oh, they had it way worse than me. Yeah. yeah. Or if they got through that, then, you know, I can get through my comparatively, you know, little piddly thing. Right. And I hate that. Absolutely hate that because it is so not honoring to whatever it is that you've been through. Right. But by the same token, whatever you've been through is just kind of normal for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you hear somebody else's story, and it's a story that, like you said, just knocks the wind out of you, Mm -hmm. because you can't imagine what it would be like to live through that. And you find someone that who, in the midst of their story and at the end of their story, can still find a reason to live, can still find a reason to hope, can still find a reason to love God. Mm Mm-hmm you know, personally and meaningfully and powerfully and not just out of religious obedience, but this is, this is who I'm committed to. And 
I was actually talking to another buddy of mine just last week who was asking me in the midst of his own pain. He's, he's just looking for answers. And he's like, how do you get through stuff like this? And he actually asked me, he's like, have you ever heard, you know, Kyle's story? <laughs> I was like, actually I have, <laughs> a couple times. And, and he said, did he have an answer? Like, did he have an answer to the question of, like, how do you get through pain like this? And, and it was just such an amazing moment of, you know, just the humanity of, because we're all looking for that answer, right? Right. How do I have hope in the midst of, of all of this? And it was so funny because I was, I was still kind of in the midst of processing the conversation we had just had with Kyle and, you know, some of the pain that I was in for myself. And, and it was like the only words that came to mind were, you know, he has his answer. Mm. And the fact that he has his answer gives me hope. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that hits on something really important that we shouldn't just gloss over to is that it is super personal, right? Yes. Kyle found his answer and he came to terms with all of the stuff that had gone on in his life and the pain and the fear and, and all of those things. And we have to do the same. And so Kyle's answer can't be our answer. You know, there are, there are things that Kyle did along the way that we can look to as uh, kind of road signs, possibly. But there's a journey that each of us has to go on as a part of our unique story and healing process. And We've kind of touched on that before, and not to, you know, turn in from a somber moment but we talk about you know uh city slickers and curly's one thing right i mean this is yes there's an answer and my answer is not the same as your answer yeah. right and it's it's i think the the thing that i take away from that is that there is an answer out there and that that discovery and that journey is is needed in order to discover that so it's it's good to know that through the midst of that that for lack of a better term but god shows up right and provides that to you so yeah. And that was kind of what we were getting at with the last episode, right? No human heart can withstand that amount of pain, right? regardless of how it's being inflicted. And so everybody turns to something. Mm. Yeah. And most of the time, the thing that we turn to, to numb the pain, dull the pain, try to make the pain go away, doesn't cut it. And so we end up coming back to the same thing over and over again in the hopes that this time somehow miraculously it might work. Or we keep trying new and different things in the hopes that finally one of them might work where all the rest have failed. And we were talking about how a lot of that was being driven by fear, right? That that out of the fear of experiencing that pain again or continuing to experience that pain, right? We oftentimes go towards the opposite, right? And so if it was fear of death, then you push towards controlling life and health and diet and exercise and things like that. And if it's you know, fear of the unknown, then you push towards, like, I have to know everything. I have to be in completely control. aware, completely in control, right, whatever mm-hmm. the case is. And and so as we were, you know, trying to just process through the the two episodes worth of our conversation with Kyle, I think that was one of the places where, just for our own sake and nothing else, but maybe uh, just to add a little more context or a little more clarity to that point, I think one of the places that we wanted to go with this was, are, are we even aware of where we're actually hurting? 
Mm. Right. A friend of mine gave me this this picture of of how this often works with people is that anger is usually what we use to mask our fear, right? Because nobody likes feeling afraid. And it's so much easier to to go out and be aggressive at something than to turn and deal with something internal, right? And so if the anger is masking the fear, if we can get past the anger, whether it's the explosive kind or the simmering kind and actually get down to what we're afraid of, what we then find in the next step is that beneath that fear is the actual pain. And it's the pain that's motivating the fear. And it's the pain that's motivating the fear that's then, you know, manifesting itself as anger. And so if we really want to get rid of fear, if we really want to stop being afraid, we have to get to those pain points. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be aware of what's hurting us or where we've been hurt. And that's not a fun conversation. I mean, that conversation sucks even more than talking about fear. Right. But it feels like that's that next next necessary step. If we're going to go from just acknowledging, oh, we all have fears. But if, you know, Kyle talked a lot about freedom from fear. Yeah. That the fear just isn't there anymore. And it's not because it just dissipated with time because, God, wouldn't that be amazing if that worked? But that because he's he's really pushed into the pain, mm-hmm. the fear is no longer needed because he's no longer afraid of that pain. Yeah, and I think for me that was another really big takeaway from that conversation of just how powerful and essential that movement is through those layers, if we ever really want to find freedom from those things. Yeah, and I feel like we almost need to back up a little, right? Because especially as guys, we don't typically do a great job of self-awareness, right? And so to sit here and, and talk about, well, find, you know, what's the pain and, you know, deal with the pain and that'll make the fear go away. And right. Like I almost feel like we need to start on the outside. Mm-hmm. Right. And we have to, to begin a kind of a self-reflective process like, okay, what really gets me pissed off? Yep. Yeah. You know, what is it that, that, you know, John, you mentioned the simmering kind or the explosive kind, you know, what really sets me off in a way that is completely out of proportion and so I feel like as a first step, we can kind of be honest with ourselves in that area, right? And I think most of us, if we step back, could be able to point to a couple of things of, man, that consistently just really gets my blood boiling. And I don't know why. And it, it seems out of proportion to the situation, you know. And then go the next layer. And, and I'm not sure if it's stereotypical or not, but I feel like the question of what makes me angry is a lot easier for me to answer than what am I afraid of? Mm-hmm. Because first of all, as a, as a guy and, and as a father of, of, of three, I'm not telling my kids that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm afraid of anything, right? Yeah. Now that I've realized more and more about myself, I tend to tell my kids, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm afraid and go back to that quote about, you know, uh, uh, bravery or is not, you know, what was it? Yeah. Not being uh, afraid, but continuing yeah. forward. Yeah. Action in the face of fear. Yeah. Action in the face of fear. So I think 
going back into that stereotype, it is it is almost easier for me to look at the question, what makes me angry? And it's easier for me to answer that than it is for me to answer what makes me, what, yeah. what brings me fear, right? Yeah. But the next question is a tough one, right? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, where we have the trouble. Like, yeah. I know when I get angry. Yeah. Like, I can sit, mm-hmm. like, this is the situation that made me angry. Yeah. The why <laughs> is what pushes us past that boundary and gets us to that next layer of what is it about this situation that is causing such an intense reaction. Mm-hmm. And can we figure out, well, okay, whenever, whenever my son does this, it really aggravates me. Yeah. Why is it that that really, what am I, what's underneath that anger? Because the anger is the outward, like you said, John reaction to something. And so what is it about that situation that is causing me to react with anger? And we can get down to the, you know, fear of loss of control or fear of, uh, you know, for, for parents, maybe fear of Mm -hmm. your kids having a similar experience that you had or, you know, something like that. So that why question I think is really important as we try and dig into what's at the center of all of this. And it's so easy to, in the process of that feeling like, God, are we just blowing things out of proportion? Mm. Right. Cause I feel like like here's one that feels like or you've got to just be making way too much out of this, right? So you're driving on the road in Northern Virginia traffic, some Maryland <laughs> driver cuts you I'm off, sorry. right? Because you know he's got to save his three seconds by getting in front of you rather than behind you, and right, you, you want to just respond with any number of things that really aren't helpful. No, just but one thing. They it's really one, well, one thing. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right, and. And it seems like it's going to be, you know, if nothing else, really cathartic. But, and it, it just, like, it begs the question, what's there? And you're like, well, guy's a jag off, right? You know, it, like, that we don't need to overanalyze this. Mm. The, there's no need to over-spiritualize it. There's no need to, you know, like, it. he's just a jerk and I'm justified. But then, you know, beginning to think through, like, why, why does this tick me off so much? And is it, you know, is it the loss of control, mm-hmm. right? I had my morning going just the way that I thought. I had my spacing with the car and some guy now has to mess with my flow and make me do things that I wasn't planning on doing. You know, is it like, you know, is there any justice in the world? You know, like <laughs> do do bad people, right? And it's not like they're probably a bad person, but they may be. I mean, especially if you do stuff like that. Like, you know, do bad people ever get their comeuppance or mm-hmm. yeah. am I just going to be taken advantage of mm-hmm. right and you start to read like oh like where did that thought come from like am i just going to yeah. be taken like yeah i bet that one goes back a ways does mm-hmm. it like and and you can start to realize that seemingly benign situations really do set you off from deeper places you yeah. know older places things that went back a ways and that it's just become so normal ever since yeah mm-hmm. But again, it, at the same time, you're just you're wrestling with this inner tension of, all right, seriously, like, dude, just cut me off. Like, I'm I'm gonna flip him off or lay <laughs> on the horn, and I'm gonna move on with my day. And by tomorrow, I won't remember this. Yeah. But tomorrow, when it happens again, and the day after when it happens again, or you know, the thing with your kid, or the thing with the colleague at work, yeah. or yeah, like yeah. you know, somebody just calls you out for the umpteenth time. You're like, that's it. I've had it. I'm you know, and mm-hmm. you start like flipping over filing cabinets, like what what's that thing yeah yeah 
Here's what I love about that example, John, is I feel like there is a universality in the way that we react to being cut off in traffic. Like, I don't feel like anybody's like, thank you. (laughs) You know, I saved that spot just for you. Right. But I bet there are just about as many reasons for that reaction as there are people. Yep. And so that goes back to the, the personal piece of this, of what is it that's triggering that in me? Yeah. And it's not going to be the same probably in me yeah. as it is for you. And, you know, and the, the going back and, and finding those lies, for lack of a better word, that we're buying into at that moment, it's going to be different for everybody. And then we get to ask the why question again, mm. right? Oh, maybe it is, you know, I just do bad people ever get what's coming to them kind of ennui, right? But then why? Right. Yeah. If that's what I'm afraid of, that that, that guy is never going to get his, why? And so yeah, we go yeah. that one level deeper of where is that coming from to get at the pain in the yeah. middle. Yeah. And let's be honest, I could open up so many other doors, right? That one question of why oh, yeah. can open up so many other doors that where you're like, well, I only had one door I was dealing with, <laughs> one one thing that was setting me off. And now that I've answered that why question, I might have, you know, three or four more questions that stem from that, right? Yeah. But I think the ultimate journey, as John kind of said, was looking for the freedom from that, right? To yeah. being able to say, hey, I've worked through that. Well, it's a different approach. Right. Right? There's, I think, kind of where most of us end up hanging out is, man, it really pisses me off when people cut me off in traffic, and I should do a better job of managing the way that I react to that. Yeah. And not let it affect me so much or mm. really want to flip the guy off, but but I'm not going to actually do that. And so we, we do more managing than we do yeah. assessing and trying to get to yeah. the bottom of it. Letting it build inside. Yeah. I think I think Kyle said something when we were going over his story about not having the right answer or something, but like I forget how he how he how he said it, but like getting angry with your wife because you don't know how to deal with a certain situation. Mm-hmm. And and if I'm being honest, that's one of the things that I've I've struggled with is as you know and I've talked about it, you know, quite a few times on the podcast is my as I try to continue to be a, a good dad, right? Quote unquote good dad, I get pretty upset when Janelle corrects me on dad moves. Like, hey, you don't you sh- you shouldn't correct him like this or you shouldn't like Yeah. Do you want to be the dad? Like you want a dad today? Because I can, I can sit back and and let you do it, right? Yep. And and after hearing when Kyle said that, I kind of went back and like, why, why do I get so upset when she's just offering me, you know, constructive criticism? Like she's just trying to help me be a better dad, right? But the in the moment, I get upset, yeah. And it's it's that that I'm going back now and and looking at and saying, all right, why why am I getting upset? Why am I getting angry? At this moment, am I, am I feeling challenged of my ability to be a dad? Probably, right? Part of it has to be with like, um, this is what I'm striving to be. I don't want to say good at, but this is, you know, something that I put a lot of pride in. And to tell me that I'm not doing it good enough yeah, does upset me, right? That leads down so many other paths, but I think that's it's, it's healthy for us to identify these things, right? Yeah. So you're going to have that conversation with Janelle about... Uh what did Kyle say? Once a year? Yeah, once a year. Tell, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yep. Or... That's a hard one to do, yeah, though, it isn't is, it? Right? Yeah. You talk Just, about fear. Yeah. I thought about that. I was like, oh, what, what will she say? Right? Yeah. So I think the other thought that I had 
just kind of processing from, the, from this conversation. You know, if we're going to take that idea of, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to figure it out, right? Every time I get angry, I'm going to start asking the why question. Uh-huh. And I'm going to get down to the fear and I'm going to ask the why question. And I'm going to, I'm going to fix all this because who wants to feel all these crappy feelings? Mm-hmm. Right? I, I think the, another, another thing that I was wondering then was, all right, so when am I supposed to move towards the fear? Like when am I supposed to be combative Mm-hmm. with this when am i supposed to try to get aggressive or figure this out or solve it and it's almost kind of going back to where we started at the beginning of the first episode with kyle of are there some times where the fear is actually a, a good thing and it's telling me don't go this way yeah i don't know if i had any insights on that yet but it just got me thinking of a few things that you know everybody's got things that they're nervous about or afraid of right there like i know guys that are afraid of commitment and taking the plunge into marriage. And so they've just kind of played it safe with, with dating and have probably even put off engagement because, mm-hmm. you know, what if that goes sideways? What if that just blows up, you know, easier to walk away from 10 years of dating than you know, the actual marital commitment or, you know, guys that have really been holding back in business. They've just, they've got something they'd love to pursue with passion you know, something entrepreneurial that they love to just throw their whole heart and soul and bank account into <laughs> and see where it goes, right? And and they're just, they're pulling back from it. And so when is the time to face that fear with its potential underlying questions of why it's there? And and when is, when is the fear maybe a good thing that's like, no, I, you shouldn't go that way because that way is bad. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I, th- I think that's at least part of it is and I, we'd mentioned this in the first episode a little bit I think what is the fear holding you back from what is it that you are missing out on because of the fear you know if and it sounds kind of lame to like do a uh cost benefit analysis <laughs> <laughs> but but by the same token it that that kind of seems like it, you know it's the right thing of like what are you missing out on what's the upside what's the downside and and kind of weighing that for the entrepreneurship example like there's huge upside in that if if there's something that you're passionate about that you feel like you're skilled in that you feel like um, you are supposed to be bringing to people, um, you know, and, and there's downside to it also of, of taking the risk and, and stepping out in that. But, and I don't know that there's like necessarily a tool or a gauge to use in, in making that analysis. But I think you do have to sort of be mindful at least of the, the potential benefits versus the potential risks, you know, and, if we think about it from like a physical standpoint, you know, if the chances of imminent death (laughs) are way higher than, you know, the excitement that I'm going to have from doing said activity, then, then probably my fears are founded and, you know, but it is hard to balance that out. Right. Cause I'm, I'm I'm like, again, not to turn everything into a process, but, we tend to turn things into a process, right? So right now in my mind, I have step one, identify the anger. Step uh-huh. two, identify the fear behind the anger. And now step number three, is this good? Is this good fear or is this bad fear? Uh-huh. You know, yeah. and it's, 
if I look at it that way, I'm kind of like, all right, this is, this is again, like turning this into a process and getting into my journal and, and, and trying to, <laughs> trying to figure out what, but it's needed, right? Yeah, Especially yeah. in this, in this type of scenario, it's, 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 is this fear there to protect me? Is it there to give me the, you know, 80s kit reference, you know, warning, Michael, warning, Michael, like, don't, yeah. don't, don't do this. Um, you know, I, I've often used the analogy that, you know, when it comes to like the entrepreneurship thing that um, I had, I have a real big heart to want to go do some stuff, right? But I also make the reference that my dad's couch really can only fit me and not my wife and my three boys anymore. So it's, it's a risk versus reward kind of thing in that scenario yeah. where I say, hey, yes, there is a lot of upside on that. But there's, you know, just much downside to that yeah. as well, right? So I think when we look at the fear that is good fear, I think of the things that that like like you kind of said, Thomas, is is what is the reward or what am I trying to achieve, and does it outweigh? You know, I hate to say a gambling thing, but that's what you're. What are you? What are you willing to put up? What do you want to? I don't want to say sacrifice, but what are you willing to say? Hey, yes, this is the return is is greater than 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 what I'm putting up for it. And oftentimes, that's that's what fear is there is to protect you from you know, bed in the house, right? Yeah. And I wonder too if some of those fears don't just go away because you you do that analysis you know the entrepreneurship example which uh-huh. i feel like we're beating mercilessly at this point but you know maybe some of those fears aren't all that founded once you start to to get into it yeah you know maybe stepping out to do a thing and the the perceived downside of not having a 9 to 5 you know you realize oh, we could actually probably float that for a little while and i could always go back and you know, and get a job if, if it doesn't take off, you know, and so some of those things maybe go away and, and then the ones that don't are the ones that we need to say, okay, is that there because there's something that's not, that's not really sitting right in my spirit, um, with this. So call back episode one, season one, for somebody who did make that transition and did step into fear of the unknown. How was that process for you specifically, Tom? Because that, that, that was your story, right? That's, we talked about it. We never really, I don't, I don't think we ever called it out in the episode as, as fear. Yeah. But as we're, as we're telling this, I'm, I'm thinking like, wow, what would I do in that scenario? What would I, man, do I know? Wait a minute. Tom did that. So how did that process look like for you? Cause there was fear there, right? Yeah. There was because there was fear of the unknown at the very least, um, stepping out of what I had been doing for 13 years and um, trying to find something new. You say fear of the unknown, but what about fear of the, I'll say the known, like how, like, I mean, I'm not trying to say like, you know, as, as dramatic as this, but food on the table, you know, yeah, lights, lights in the house, roof over your head. That's, those are, those were real tangible fears. Yeah, no, definitely. So it kind of worked out crazy you know, the the way that it all ended up happening. But I think I might've mentioned this in one of the episodes. I, I did have this kind of feel like there was a safety net a little bit mm. um, because I was stepping out, but I also knew I probably could go back yeah. pretty easily and kind of undo. So a couple of months of 
you know, questions and, uh, and unknown. And, and, you know, we just had sort of decided that we could weather that. And then the upside was huge mm-hmm. because I did feel like at that point that I was being called out to something different, something more, right? you know, and, and so the, the potential existed there to be much bigger than just kind of changing the location of where I show up every day to do a job. And so I think in the analysis of it, that helped a lot with the fears and they're still there. Definitely. You know, that, that I'm not going to be successful or as successful as I thought I was going to be or meet expectations or, you know, that sort of thing is still there. Yeah. That's a really good question. (laughs) (laughs) Cause at the end of the day though, you know, from us having walked through this story with you, the cost benefit analysis didn't necessarily answer all the questions, right? right. And, and there was still, you know, when you added up all the ones and zeros, it seemed like staying made almost as much sense and in some ways probably made more sense just because it was known Yeah. versus the unpredictability of, you know, potential future earnings, unpredictability of the job market in the, you know, areas and industries you were looking into. And, so it seems like there also had to be some element of in the face of this fear, I'm feeling an invitation that's bringing something other than fear or something to mm-hmm. combat the fear rather than in the face of this fear, I'm just looking for an adrenaline rush or mm-hmm. I'm not even going to process and I'm just going to jump. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not a jump type person. <laughs> um, there's not a whole lot of recklessness. That's happening. And so, you know, it, it felt like definitely there was that invitation. And so whatever fear is being stirred up is, I don't know, is temporary, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that there is something on the other side. Yeah. And, and I think you're right, John, you know, I don't think we've gotten to that other side yet. And, yeah. and so there are still questions and, you know, things that, that we're wrestling with a year later, a little more than a year later of, of the new job and almost two years now of deciding that, that it was time. But yeah, the, the bigger picture definitely helped to understand the direction and I don't know if I want to say the purpose of the fear because it wasn't, it wasn't that the fear was driving the decisions. It was just making me think as you're talking through this, you know, the the two stories from my life with Brooke that, that come to mind when we're talking about this kind of thing, like, you know, what's in the face of fear, what's the invitation feel like? And, you know, the one was five years ago now, she felt like there was an invitation kind of from out of nowhere to quit her job, leave teaching much the way that you did yeah, and for no good reason. And not to go pursue anything else, but just to leave. She she told me she was walking in the hallway one day and she just had this like thought come into her head she, that was like, This is your last year here. Like you're you're not gonna you're not gonna be here anymore. And it wasn't like this, like, you know, like self thought, like, you know, internally critical or like you suck at your job because she was amazing <laughs> at her job. But it was just sort of this invitation. Like it, it felt like 
from God mm-hmm. to like, there's something else for you if you're willing to go there. Yeah. And so again, it got me thinking about this, this question of what's the invitation, right? So like Mike, to your process, like, all right, what's the anger? Why is it there? <laughs> what's the fear? All right. What's the invitation yeah. from that fear? And if it, if it feels like it's towards something bigger, if it's yeah. towards growth and not just, you know, bigger for the sake of bigger, like I'm going to risk everything because if I roll the dice, right, I might be able to double my income, get a bigger house, drive a nicer car. But if in the face of this fear, it feels like there's an invitation to experience more of the life that I was meant to live, Hmm. right? If in the face of this fear, there's an invitation to experience something of who I was truly made to be. Yeah. That that's the fear can even be a good indication then that I'm supposed to go in that direction. Uh, And we felt much the same thing with this house. We're actually sitting here recording this episode in this house that we bought. And I, I still think back to what that process looked like. And our first thought, it, almost in the face of ample evidence to the contrary, was this is going to be friggin' awesome. And that was very much the same thought that I had when Brooke told me she felt like she was supposed to quit her job. Like in the face of ample evidence to the contrary of, dear God, how are we going to pay the bills? Mm-hmm. It was this is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And it like the fear showed up after the fact, right. like once we decided like, yeah, let's do this. You know, then in the weeks and months that followed, it was like, Oh crap, what did we do? <laughs> what did we do? This is going to be so bad. But that invitation at the outset was, we could tell an invitation is into something bigger you know, an invitation into becoming more of who we were made to be, an invitation into more of the life that we didn't realize we could have. And, you know, it's not like, oh, I think I want to start racing my motorcycle. Does that scare me? Absolutely. What's going to be awesome about it? I don't know. Let's do it. Right? Like that That doesn't have that same invitation. Right. So does, and not to get all like, you know, too deep on this or you know but does does the process of fear or facing fear make fear easier to deal with in the long run and what i mean by that is yes it was i was afraid to jump out of an airplane my first time and yes i was afraid to do it out of my 65th time <laughs> but on each time the fear was still present but it, it it became a a process that i was Okay, so the fear of the unknown disappears, right? But I still have that fear of, of, of dying, right? But it's it it reduces, even though it's still there, practicing facing fear yeah. reduces fear. And yeah. I think it, it almost brings up in your story that Brooks quitting her job was fear. And then you guys stepping into this house was fear. But because you had already practiced facing fear before that, it made the process of facing fear a second time a little bit easier, yeah. right? And uh, I, you know, going back to, you know, even Tom's story, thinking about that now, like if he was to make a career jump, it'd probably be a lot easier for you to do it now that yeah. you've kind of gone through yeah. that process, right? Well, and even like with your thing with jumping out of the airplane, Mike, right? Like each successive jump is bringing you closer to who you wanted to be. Yeah. Right. And so at that point, the fear is worth it. Mm. It's not, it's not a deterrent anymore. It's just an acknowledged part of the process of becoming more of who you wanted to be good fear 
Yeah. 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 Well, and you were saying, John, too, that, you know, the fear showed up later. So it's not mm-hmm. like we had this grand vision <laughs> and it was all perfect. No, the fear was still there. We're jumping out of the airplanes. The fear is still there. Yeah. It is more of we acknowledge it. We know it's there. Maybe we figure out where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. And it's not controlling yeah. That's where it. we go from there. That's mm-hmm. it. You guys pulled the trigger on the house. Yeah. You did jump out of the plane the second and the 65th time, you know? And so it's that fear is, is still there possibly, but it's not keeping us from doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way you said that. It's not controlling the decision. Yeah. That if I'm going to do it in spite of the fear, I'm understanding why. Yeah. And if I'm not going to do it, because of the fear it's not because i'm afraid it's because i understand why the fear is there and i'm recognizing that in this case that fear is actually a good thing right yeah it's not a cowering and it's also not a big f you like i'm gonna do it anyway (laughs) it feels like a more mature reaction to the fear and understanding the role that it's supposed to play in that moment i got the Kevin McAllister running out on the street. I'm not afraid anymore. As yeah. he turns around and runs right back into the right, house. Totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as is so often the case with these, I don't know that that actually went where we thought it was going to go, but that felt pretty good. So I think we're going to call it good on fear for now. Again, if you did not, if you managed to stick all the way through this episode and you still haven't gone back to listen to the two episodes with Kyle, Go do that now. Skip the outro. There may be some cool stuff there, but just turn us off now and go back to those other episodes. Uh, but if you hung with us through all three segments of this on fear, we'd really love to get your feedback. Uh, so if you can head over to the community Facebook page at We Are Strong Towers, please share some insights, share some reactions. Um, let us know what what this looked like in your story, uh, past, present, or fears of the future that you're currently wrestling with. Because if nothing else, uh, we know all the guys that have joined that group, and there's some phenomenal advice over there too. So if (laughs) if we're talking about fear of what's to come, uh, you would be in good hands over there. So with all that said, thank you guys for being a part of this journey with us. We really appreciate it. We'll see you next time. 